and welcome to Beyond the X. This is episode one. I'm your host, Patrick, coming to you from just north of Atlanta and today what is sunny Cartersville, Georgia. Um, so again, thank you for for joining us here for our first episode. What we're wanting to do with this series is really focus on individuals or organizations and groups within that organization that are going beyond the X. That is to say going and really doing frontline work in the anti-human trafficking industry. Um, and this week we're going to really um, spotlight uh, Mike Griffin, who I had to sit down with about a week and a half ago, and he is a public affairs rep uh, for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. He is under the dome all the time and really lobbying for um, for the, the interests of, of the Georgia Baptist Mission Board and, and the Georgia Baptist Association. And some of the things that uh, he deals with on a daily basis are things that we as a uh, anti-human trafficking organization, something that, that we look at and that we follow. And it's really it was really informative to sit down and, and speak with him. You know, we're from two different organizations. Uh, the, the missions, they, they're in a Venn diagram. There is some overlap. So so we, we have a really good sit down and discuss some um, state bills that, that have recently been passed in Georgia that were uh, directly uh, to aid survivors of human trafficking. And we discuss those state bills and uh, potential ones that may be coming down the pipe. We see some things that have happened in surrounding states um, and legislation that is either uh, being uh, on the floor now or, have, or has already went through and has been passed and is about to go into effect. So. This is uh, something we're really excited about. Um, so this is going to be episode one with uh, Mike Griffin. And then um, going forward, we will uh, take requests, as we always do, and then follow current events as, as stories develop. We will uh, definitely try to get uh, get interviews with those who are in the middle of it. Um, and. Uh, a fair amount of the people that we hope to bring to you are going to be uh, speakers at the 2022 uh, Human Trafficking Conference in Atlanta that is being put on by the Global Relief Association for Crises and Emergencies. Uh, that is um, gaining a lot of interest and momentum. We are having already we have some uh, some really interesting speakers, uh, people we have uh, from law enforcement, from the private sector, from uh the public sector. And it's going to be really, really informative and gives a good holistic view of what's being done in, in every area. Uh, we know what the nonprofit organizations are doing uh, within our organization. It's, it's really um, it's really good to see what, what's going in, in law enforcement and then in the public sector as well. Uh, so just uh, really, I, I, I want to encourage everyone to go into this with an open mind uh, because we're going to be bouncing between organizations, interviewing different people. It's going to be people with different interests and not everybody we interview is going to be someone whose primary duty is going to be anti-trafficking. Uh, for instance, Mike Griffin, that that's not going to be his primary role. He happens to serve in an area that impacts it a great deal. Uh, but uh, in a few weeks, uh, we are going to be interviewing uh, some other people who the organization may not really look at anti-trafficking at all, but just the nature of what they're doing has such a good impact on it. And so uh, going to an open mind, there are going to be a lot of different mindsets, a lot of different viewpoints, but that's what we're doing this. Um, we, we all don't have to agree on the same thing, but when we're looking at the, through the lens of anti-trafficking, uh, that is something that we can all find common ground in. And that's what I want to do. I want to bring from bringing people from 
from every area, uh, every sector, uh, doing a bunch of different types of work, but we can all see how it is impacting the, uh, the human trafficking uh, industry. And so this is going to be it. Uh, interview one that was uh, done at the very end of June, beginning of July with Mike Griffin. And um, I hope you enjoy it. And please leave a comment. Shoot us, uh, shoot us a message. Let us see what you think about it. And uh, if you have any suggestions of, uh, of organizations, uh, feel free to include them as well. And I hope you enjoy it. We are here with uh, Mike Griffin. He's a public affairs rep for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. And uh, Dr. Sullivan's here with us. Hello, everyone. Uh, we just wanted to uh, meet up with Mike Griffin, interesting guy, doing a lot of stuff uh, with Georgia Baptist Mission Board and uh, on Capitol Hill as well. Uh, he's in the Dome doing a lot of stuff for us. Um, and so, Mike, just uh, tell us about uh, your your day-to-day here. Well, thank you, Patrick. Good to be with you all today. And, uh, you know, this is very important subject we're talking about when you're, you're talking about human trafficking and all this relationship to um, child sex abuse and all those things that are going on out there today. It's just been it's been very, very bad and uh, it's something that we need to be definitely involved in. But just generally speaking, I've worked here with Georgia Baptist uh, this is my my eighth year with them. I'm full-time now for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've worked at the Capitol as a lobbyist on social and moral issues representing Georgia Baptist the last eight years. And then there, uh, I also worked at the Capitol 14 years total. And that first eight years was with uh, Georgia Right to Life. I know you're thinking, boy, your math doesn't work right. Well, two of those years, I represented both organizations. Got to have something to do. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was <laughs> bored between two and four in the morning, couldn't find nothing else to do. So, you know, I pastored all that time, full time. Uh, 2006, I ran for state representative and uh, and lost. And then in 2007, George Wright Life started training me. In 2008, I started lobbying at the Capitol on pro-life issues. And then uh, uh, my good friend here, uh, Ray Newman, passed away. I think it was 2013, 14. I came on uh, part-time representing, again, both organizations. And then uh, starting in 20, I you know, I resigned my church, came on full-time here, and then boom, the pandemic hit. <laughs> so it hadn't been a normal, a lot of hurry hadn't been a normal year and a half yet mm-hmm. here. But I'm going to tell you something, the devil hasn't taken off any time during the pandemic, mm-hmm. I can tell you. And uh, so anyway, my, my responsibility uh, working with legislative affairs at the Capitol, making sure Georgia Baptists are there at the table when policy decisions are being made. Uh, child protection policy, we work with a ministry safe, uh, Dr. Gregory Love and others, and making sure our churches have the proper policies in line, uh, that our churches are victim-centric and that they're making sure they don't have victims. That's mm-hmm. one of the things we'll work hard at. And then religious liberty, we work with Alliance Defending Freedom, Harrison Smith, for example, one of the regional directors, and making sure our churches have uh, the proper documents, uh, legal protection for all that's happening with religious liberty issues, which, right. you know, is, is, is becoming paramount. I've always said for years, the life issue is number one, and it still is from a practical side, because, you you know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, property rights, you can't pursue, you can't enjoy the other two if you're not aligned. Uh, but I've seen in a day now that religious liberty is coming up beside the life issue because we don't defend our First Amendment rights, free exercise.
exercise of our faith in the public square and to speak out on issues like we're going to talk about today, <laughs> you know, that, that uh, you know, the First Amendment rights is important to be able to speak out on the life issues even right. that are out there today. So, and to protect the church and to make sure uh, that they're covered. But anyway, that's uh, 35 and a half years uh, pastoring and then 14 years. This is my 14th year working down at the Capitol as a lobbyist. And you've got the, uh, the 2021 Georgia Baptist Capitol Report, and that's available through the Christian Index. Yes, you go to the Christian Index. You can go to uh, gabaptist.org. Uh, slash public affairs, and you go to my web page. On that, you're going to find uh, a blog. You're going to find under the gold dome articles. You're going to find downloads for resources. You're going to find a ton of videos. Uh, the legislative session that I just finished. Uh, we cover about seven different subjects, uh, an introduction, a conclusion. So there are nine videos you can look at. So you can read the article. You can also look at an explanation that I do on video yeah. to be able to show. Because I tell folks this, you know, on social and moral issues, <clears throat> education is what location is to real estate. <laughs> education, education, education. So <clears throat> just like in the area, whether it's dealing with sex trafficking or child abuse, you can't do anything about something you don't know anything about. You yeah, got to know absolutely. about it yeah. before you can do anything about it. Yeah, so it's important, and that's what we're really excited about. You know, we we have this podcast, we've got the quarterly webinars, and then our conference, uh, Human Trafficking Conference in 2021. That's uh, we're we're wanting to spread awareness, education, training possibilities. Right. Because if you don't know about it, you can't do anything about it. Right. Um, but this this wrap up is is impressive. I would urge um, all of y'all to go look at it. There's as much as you want to read that. that it's there. We're going to look at um, the human trafficking report that came out of that. Um, there were two two um, state bills. We got State Bill thirty three and thirty four. That, as far as um, like. Grace and what we look at with anti-trafficking, I was really excited to see these two bills. Um, 33, uh, which is the one that I think has the most teeth to it, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, it allows for the human trafficking victims to file civil suit against their traffickers, uh, which was something that I wasn't really expecting it to be, um, I guess, as, as backed right. as it was. And that was encouraging. Uh, and, and there are a lot of things that are going on in states around us that you would like to see kind of make its way to Georgia. We've uh, talked about the North Carolina passing their bill of protecting uh, children from the sex change interventions. Um, and that's been kind of brought to the floor, or I'd say the past two years in Georgia. Right. And now with North Carolina passing that, they joined Tennessee and Arkansas. And that's something I would, I would uh, really hope maybe uh, gets a little more legs here in Georgia. Um, and that's, uh, is that something that you see with the, the, the shift with uh, human trafficking, uh, the mindset towards it? A lot of that comes from um, First Lady Kemp and, and what, what she right. does. And that has kind of spearhead, like with the CJCC, you can see that um, they take a lot of direction from, from the Capitol. And uh, if there's a lot of effort being put into it in downtown Atlanta, it's going to disseminate through the state. Well, there's no doubt that the Grace Commission and the governor and the governor's wife, uh, Marty Kemp, have done an excellent job of putting what I call more tools in the toolbox mm -hmm. to fight this seeming like never ending battle with human trafficking. And, you know, adding in this this part of extent says the bill creates a 10 year statute of limitations from the date of the human 
uh, trafficking offense or if the victim is a minor from the victim's 18th birthday going forward. Yeah, well. So again, this is just like dealing with uh, you know child abuse and extending that statute of limitations for civil suits you know to go back against predators and now we're looking at legislation to deal with it on entities again it just gives that additional um, tool that's right. there to fight this thing because sometimes the criminal aspects may or may not fulfill completely what's needed then you come back around the civil side mm-hmm. and, and accomplish uh, you know because because of the, the standards that you have to have in civil suits is different from the criminal absolutely yeah and so there's that that opportunity and then like you said not just uh, senate bill 33 but there's also senate bill 34 again both of these introduced by senator clint dixon and, and this one has the ability to the, they amended the, the georgia name change statute mm-hmm. in order again to protect privacy and, and the safety of, of survivors yeah. of of kind of expedite yeah, that of, of human trafficking which yeah. which again is needed and we we were talking about that before the podcast uh, about the danger that these young people and individuals get in once they get into this mm-hmm. uh, system right. of, of sex trafficking and, and trying to get out the danger that, of course, here, again, trying to provide protection going forward and having a name change so that somebody can't come back on. Absolutely. And that's make it harder. the interest with what happened in North Carolina with the sex change interventions. The reason Grace, while we're kind of looking and very interested in that is if you want to look at a target group who may be the most vulnerable to being human trafficked, to being trafficked, it's going to be the, the trans community. Those are some of the most vulnerable people uh, and minors who are trafficked uh, because there, there are vulnerabilities and then there's underlining things. And I know we've talked a lot about the underlining um, issues there that aren't addressed. And that's what a lot of the reports that have even come out, I mean, a long time ago, but more recent that I hope helps a Georgia's effort is the data coming out of, I mean, even Sweden, who <clears throat> Sweden is going to be one of the greatest supporters of LGBT countries in the world, uh, the, the way that their, their culture and everything. So, and for them to, to publish reports that are really echoing what the uh, American College of Pediatricians are saying, where they, they came out with the gender dysphoria and 85 to 95 percent of children um, or minors who would have had that operation done that didn't, 85 to 95 percent of them go on uh, to fully identify with their biological sex. That's right. So that if, you, if you've got an 11 year old or a 12 year old and the thing I've never been able to wrap my head around is if you um, cannot legally consent as a minor, you can't join the military, you can't rent a car to your 25, how do you expect them to be able to make an informed decision that's going to be irreversible and have that type of impact on life? Right. But that's true. And, and I, I lay out what I, what I have, I call it three issues to bear in mind in dealing with, um, uh, of course, the legislation we have here in Georgia, by the way, is called the Vulnerable Child Protection Act, uh, HB 401, introduced by Representative Jenny Earhart. But I mentioned just, just three facts to remember about this issue. Number one, there's a legal issue, and you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. You know, where you're talking about alcohol, cigarettes, tattoos, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a standard there. You, a parent can't even sign off and trump the law to allow alcohol, cigarettes, or tattoos to be placed. And yet we're going to allow a a life-altering 
surgery to take place or intervention with some type of of uh, administering some type of drug to a right. child that's going to have a, and yet they're going to go ahead and allow that under 18 that's yeah. beyond it and then the secondly it's a science issue mm-hmm. you know the, the science is this is that nobody's born transgender right I mean people say well this is the way it's always been well we didn't have this problem with gender dysphoria until the culture started creating has created more of it now has there been stages of individuals life have there been situations regarding uh, whether it be homosexuality or lesbianism whatever right. these are common things that are related to the sin nature that we all have an impact as an impact on our life but I'm talking about the, 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 the escalation that we're seeing today is more of a culture generated than mm-hmm. a biological thing and the reason is 400 years from now I don't care how much surgery or how much change you had by way of administering different kinds of drugs into your body. Right. If you're dug up 400 years ago uh, by someone doing research, they're going to test your DNA. Yeah. You're going to be a man or a woman. Right. I mean, I'm saying it's a, bi- it's a biological issue, and then it's a moral issue. And by moral issue, I'm saying that it, it ends up being the fact that it's irreversible. There can be irreversible things done. Ends up being child abuse. Right. You know. And, yeah. And, and I really believe, and I've literally said this to one of the leading LGBT activists in our state. And I said, you know, really, um, I'm trying to recall the exact conversation. It doesn't really matter. But I, I've said this on num- numerous occasions to others that really LGBT community should support this kind of legislation, say, saying we do agree you ought to be 18 before you make this kind of decision. Right. Because that this legislation like this, and I think probably in North Carolina, is not saying that it's necessarily wrong. Now, I know we as Christians have our, our biblical convictions about right. that. But just as a legal matter, we're just saying as a legal matter, we're going to allow individuals the right to choose. And that's a, yeah. But we're going to say you need to be 18. That's yeah. not saying it's wrong. Yeah. That's saying it's not right to make the choice yet. Mm-hmm. And then we can talk about whether it's right or wrong after we get beyond 18 right. and all those rationales can be laid out. That's an excellent point. And, and something I like doing when I read a scholarly, a scholarly research article is I like to find someone in that same academic community that posted uh, the antithesis, something that they found different. So when I read... Uh, about the uh, American College of Pediatricians. They, it's, it's a fantastic report about gender dysphoria. It is long and it is intense. Um, I go and then uh, they reference um, a, a research that was done by Sweden, the Ministry of Sweden Health Ministry. And I was like, well, that's interesting because Sweden is um, very, very much a, uh, I don't know how to word it, uh, an affirming nation for LGBT. And reading about that, I go on to, I found an uh, article uh, that researched out of 2008, the Journal of LGBT Health. And in 2008, their research said that the, uh, hang on, I'm getting the whole thing right here. Um, uh, found that discrimination did not account for the mental health discrepancies between LGBT identified individuals and the heterosexual population. That was a bar, a part of a bigger research that was showing that those who, uh, in, in the journal of LGBT health, those who had that sexual reassignment after the fact were still suffering, if not more so, 
from the the mental health part of things. It didn't address what what was happening, and and that caused almost more of an issue because they thought like, well, once I get this operation, I'm flipping the switch. Everything, the sun's always shining, the birds are always chirping, and what they found was that was not the case, and it right. made it more difficult to cope with the depression. Uh, and so because of that, suicide rates is I think I believe it was 32 percent of those in that study was about 280 individuals. 32 percent had attempted suicide, uh, and these were people who were already post-op. Mm-hmm. Um, the the depression and the mental health side thing is something that we deal with a lot with, with our counseling services. If a minor comes in and says, "I'm stressed from school, I want to speak to a counselor," their parent has to sign a waiver form. They can't exactly. even sign up just to talk to a licensed counselor about being stressed from homework. Right, and I mean, the, many in the LGBTQ are against. You know, they want to pass legislation anti-conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between conversion therapy versus aversion therapy, Absolutely. where you're trying to do something that's mm-hmm. unhealthy or mm-hmm. or hurtful to a child right. uh, to try to get them to change their mind. That's not what I'm talking about. And I've heard hard stories of things that have been done in the past. Mm-hmm about children admitting uh, their confusion about their sex and all that. However, the, the, being that this is is a mental issue, it needs to be dealt with uh, from a medical perspective mm-hmm. to, to be able to, to help that child work through that. Yeah. And all of us, I mean, three of us sitting here and those listening today, we've all said, done things when we were growing up that I bet we're glad we didn't get hung in. In other words, were, we went yeah. through it. Yeah. We thought about it. We may have even changed our activity or our address regarding it, but it was a stage that we went through. Luckily, it was and, reversible. <laughs> yeah, and by the time, I mean, really, because we're looking at ages today, and you see how long people live at home now, you're really seeing that the real maturity rate, while it may have been 200 years ago, people were going to college and writing books at 14 and 16. Yeah. Now you're really looking at that really settled into where you're going to be is somewhere between probably 21 to 25, 26. Mm-hmm. And most people, when that that's when you can say, that's probably where they're going to be at the rest right. of their life um, because, because they will have worked through all that stuff mm-hmm. and decide. And they've had plenty of time to make that decision. And I think 18 is, is a good uh, if you had to draw a line, that's a number for a lot of things. Because, yeah. because we, yeah. it, it is something that's used substantially in other mm-hmm. areas. So, so again, this is not to be derogatory or to bash the LGBT community. This is simply say this is a health issue that deserves all of our objective understanding, concern about. Yeah, and a lot of the areas that we look at at Grace, and a lot of the areas that are in the legislative wrap up that, that you talk about with uh, religious liberty and child protection report, you got the gambling expansion. Uh, human trafficking, pro-life, the the greatest common denominator in all those areas is probably going to be child abuse. Absolutely. And, and when you're looking at what what North Carolina just did and what potentially Georgia could do, it, it is going to be a, a, a prevention of child abuse is the first way it needs to be looked at, I think, more than anything. Right. Um, and uh, so that's something I'm excited about and really uh, looking at seeing how it's going to move forward now that a lot of dominoes have fell around us. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll start Hopefully looking. Hopefully we can see that in 22 years. And, and there, yeah. And there's a lot of good data coming out. And there's good data from multiple different institutions um, that, you know, you've got the uh, pediatricians and you've got the, the coming out swinging, but there's so much and it's 
And I thought one of the most interesting things was what came out of the um, LGBT journal in 2008. It was like 32% of that number about the attempted suicide. What just came out of the American College of Pediatricians, 34% of who they went, went under, who, who went under sex reassignment surgery have attempted suicide post-op. So that's two different spectrums and they're still that close. Uh, so everyone's finding the same data, publishing the same data and findings. At some point, it, it hopefully it will start making its way. Well, I've met with folks who, you know, are in this, uh, some we agree and some I disagree with, and they bring out the fact, you know, that you know, these kids being coerced and shouldn't just, that it creates a greater suicide thing. And I'm like, well, let's start where the coercion begins. And it typically is on the front end mm-hmm. of them being coerced into this dysphoria yeah. or lifestyle. The word groomed, yeah. Yeah, much less trying to say, oh, well, it's all happening on the other end down mm-hmm. here from, quote, the Christian community mm-hmm. saying it's wrong. Well, look what's ushering them into it with all types of pressure mm-hmm. uh, being brought upon kids at a very young age when their their mental, their physical, and their spiritual capacities are not at the highest level. And you're going to be basically confronted with things that are going to be set in your life forever. Yeah. And with grace, with our mission being eradicating vulnerabilities, strengthening families, uh, these are things that are directly in our interests. Um, and so with this podcast series now moving forward and with the webinars, we're looking at really getting some information out there, starting, starting the conversations that's going to kind of culminate with uh, some of our speakers that's going to be at the conference and really wanting to start this movement here at home in Georgia. And we're, we're really excited because there's going to be a lot of good information coming out of here and hopefully uh, start the, start the dialogue with, uh, with our own community so we can garner the support. Cause like you've said before, um, but what the Georgia Baptist, what we could be for the state. And that was the neck that turns the head. Yeah. And so that's, uh, that's something that we need to uh, first educate ourselves and then, um, follow our convictions. Mm-hmm. Yes. Cause we're all about the grace organization. We're all about, like you just said, Patrick prevention and what Mike has been speaking to. And, and just let me chime in and say, I'm so thankful for Mike and the voice that he provides under the dome in, in this realm. Cause we are about prevention. There's a, uh, several organizations that I'm acquainted with, friends with the, with the leaders who are about rescue, like mm-hmm. have been said earlier, pulling them out of the water. Right. We are wanting to go upstream and, and prevent this from ever happening and all of the consequences that follow along with it, the health issues, mental health, spirituality. It's a, it's a global, it has a global effect. And so uh, I know Mike can really speak to that too, because in our mission statement, the Grace Mission Statement, that we exist to foster social change uh, by strengthening families and eradicating the vulnerability of human trafficking exploitation. And so there's several vulnerabilities that exist that can lead to trafficking in a variety of contexts. Yeah. And when you're looking at the work 
of, of anti-trafficking. You have to take into consideration the totality of circumstances. You have to have the people pulling people out of the water. You have exactly. to have the people doing prevention. Right. You have to have the people working with legislation. And if uh, yeah, that's exactly right. It's mm-hmm. uh, we've got to hit this from all angles, and that's really the reason behind the human trafficking conference that we have planned for spring of 2022 is that we see so many of these organizations working in silos. And so we need networking. We need cross collaboration. We need people. We need organizations talking. This, this has to be a united effort. And we, we were really excited in house when this kind of came apart and then it's just really taken off. And now there's been conversation. Well, you know, if it keeps going this and this amount of tickets, so now we might have to be at the Georgia world Congress center because it just right. the interest. And when we meet with the hotels, looking at venues and they jump on board, now they want us to train their staff throughout the state. It's, right. it's something that there is a heavy thirst for um, because we look to fill a void. We look to fill gaps of service. There's a lot of great people doing great things. And this is example one and, and what some excellent things that's being done. Uh, and this is a, a void that we felt we could do. We could fill uh, with this conference and these webinars. And um, I'm, I'm excited sure. going forward because um, when you have people like uh, working with Mike, then, you know, it's, it's you get good information that that may not be out there for most people or, or it's there. They don't know where to go to. Um, and so that's that's something else. I, um, I'll have of everything we talked about with the Georgia Baptist Capital Report. I'll have all that um, where you can click that link in the podcast and you can follow through to that because I do encourage you to read it um, or if you don't want to read, watch the videos. But yeah. it's it's uh, it's good stuff. And to if, if you're going to take things seriously and you're really going to say that, you know, you're against human trafficking, which the the, the most apropos thing I've ever really dealt with with trafficking is if you walk into a room, you say, raise your hand if you're against human trafficking. Everybody's going to raise yeah. their hand. Nobody is for it uh, that was going to raise their hand in the rooms I'm in, really. Uh, then uh, what are you doing about it? And then all the hands go down. So, uh, you know, you're not, we're not saying go start your own organization or do this, but you know, there are measures that can be taken to make a difference. Um, and I, um, I'm really, really grateful for you, Mike, for, cause I know you're so busy. You walk in with your folder and all the highlights saying it's just, I I'm in summer. I'm out of school right now with grad school and I don't like seeing stuff like that. It, it makes me nervous. <laughs> I understand. I'm still a paper guy. So yeah, I know. So. Yeah. But, um, I, I thank you and, uh, we'll, we'll definitely have you on again. And, uh, um, as, as things materialize, as new things proposed, maybe, uh, next time we talk, we can talk about this, um, this, this bill out of North Carolina that might, might be getting legs here with the sex change interventions. Yes. And maybe that'll be a part of our next conversation. Absolutely. Love to. Okay. Well, just to wrap it up, maybe just any uh, closing thoughts from Mike in this area of prevention. If there's a, a, a major area, I don't know, a major area that um, for our listeners that could be addressed that we see that that really needs to be addressed because it ends up being a vulnerability, a grooming measure, something that can make these kids, young adults, more susceptible to being trafficked in some form. Yeah, I, I jotted down just a, a few things uh, this morning before our meeting just, just hit my mind. Some of them are kind of 
interact with one another. Mm-hmm. But your organization <clears throat> talks about the strengthening of the family. Yes. And and if I had to just pick one area, you know, it would be marriage and the family. Mm-hmm. You know, because <clears throat> we look at. You know, the, the old saying is, you know, years ago when like the B-52 bombers were going over in World War II, they could pretty much tell where the enemy was the most because that's where they got the most fire from. And and, and today, if you're looking at where's the attack happening today where the enemy's attacking us, it, it's focusing all this attention on marriage, family, mm-hmm. sex, abortion, Everything is in that area. It's just like a tearing down of that fabric of, of, of that moral fiber that has mm-hmm. kept our nation. You know, it, uh, so goes the family, so goes a nation. Mm-hmm. You want to fix a nation, fix the family. Because it, it just one falls after the other. So my number one would be the breakup of the family. The second thing, and I see this working at the Capitol, is a legalization of certain moral vices. And I do respect personal responsibility, freedom of choice. Voice. Mm-hmm. But what's happening is this is this is starting to water down in the availability. Whether again, I'm not saying it's it's wrong to take a drink. I'm just saying, but you look at the pornography, the alcohol, the drugs, the immorality, the things that is out there today that's being legalized or justified to be able to make money off of, and then it's accessibility to children. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. Kids are having accessibility to things that they never had till they were older when they had the more <clears throat> mental capacity to be able to deal with it. And then just the general destruction of the of, of a basic moral code. Uh, again, I don't want to just preach moralism. I want to preach the gospel. You know, I don't want to preach that it's behavior modification. It's gospel transformation. Yeah. Okay, that's really <laughs> what it's about. But but parenthetically, we don't have that moral code anymore. Well, there were things 50, 75 years ago that that a drunk would not even do. <laughs> we don't have that 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 level mm-hmm. that commonality of what is right and wrong is not here anymore. And it begins with the reestablishment of the Ten Commandments as an example. Uh, accessibility to sin to, uh, of sin to minors, for example, number four, which would be, we started out with the TV when I was coming up, you know, TV, radio. Man, though, that's preschool now. Mm-hmm. I mean, compared to what, with the internet that's out there today, social media, accessibility. And that's what I say when I'm dealing with alcohol regulation in public health and safety. I say accessibility equals sales. Sales equals consumption. Consumption. Consumption equals potential problem. So accessibility of all this stuff, three clicks on your iPhone, you're looking at pornography. It would take me three months to find on the side of the road as a kid growing up in the 60s and 70s. So accessibility and then just pornography in general, uh, again, that is fueling the sex industry mm-hmm. that we see fuel today, the, the, all the problems with gender dysphoria, I think all that is being fueled. Uh, and, uh, and and again, the pornography is putting the, 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 the gas on the fire that's making it worse. And then number, number six, just government corruption. Mm-hmm. And that is a, a willingness to tolerate this at various levels, whether it be in judicial, legislative, administrative, uh, uh, the, the power and the money that's involved in the human trafficking industry alone is mind-boggling mm-hmm. because people will tolerate you 
rescuing people out of the water. But when you start going upstream and finding out the sources that are creating it, uh, you put yourself in physical and financial danger. Oh, absolutely. Because it is a very uh, mm-hmm. profitable business. That's just some of the things that I see oh, that's, that, that's knowledgeable, that we need to have knowledge of that would help and protect us. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, looking at the information age and what's all accessible for uh, minors on the internet and even you don't have to go, you can go to Twitter. Uh, their, their policies yeah. and things allow for a lot of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily yeah. even consider showing your kids. And when um, reading through like the impact of social media, there's been a lot of reports. Something that was very interesting was only about 3% of the users are content creators. But when the content is flooded with specific vices that desensitize, it gives a false social norm. Oh, everybody's doing this. Everything is like this. And so it becomes more acceptable because it's everywhere, but only 3% of the users are even putting that out there. And out of those 3% of content creators, I don't even know what fraction of a percentage are the ones that are doing pornographic materials or whatever. Uh, so that's, that's something is, even though it appears that this is a social norm, it's just the, the content that's being put out there can be flooded and it, it not be everyone in the community. Not everyone feels this way. Not everyone's putting that out there. But when that's all you see, that's the perception that the youth get, that the minors get. They think it's a social norm and then it becomes acceptable and then the dominoes just continue to fall. We are not Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, uh, yeah. You know, it's just the, again, the uh, accessibility and the content that's out there today is a. Uh, you know, it, there's not any sin that's out there that hadn't been sin like forever, but just the amount of it mm-hmm. now and the availability of it now, I think, is that we're living in some of the most evil times that's ever existed in the history of our world. Thank you for your time today. Yeah, yeah. those are that thank was, you, that was thank you guys for what you're doing because there's not enough of you out there. There needs to be more. So thank you. <laughs> Uh, we'll look forward to having you again, and uh, we'll definitely be uh, keeping up with what's going on at the Capitol. And I'll be uh, next time maybe my notebook will look more like yours with uh, with points that highlighted and circled and lines and and web graphs and everything else. So um, thank you again, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again. such a, a good day and it's always um it's always really fun and i consider it a privilege no matter who who it is but when you meet someone who has a passion for for what they're doing um that's one of the great benefits of of being in a nonprofit organization is is um even though who you who you're with one day and who you may be meeting or you're eating lunch with could be completely different from the person you're meeting the next. Uh, uh, the majority of the people we meet, if if not all of them, are, are doing what they are passionate about. And it was definitely a privilege to sit down with Mike because he he was passionate. Uh, that was. Uh, just a small step. I think we, we talked for two hours that day um, about everything, um, the things that we covered in the podcast and things that had, had nothing to do with it. It's just um, something I'm really looking forward to in this series and uh, our, our next episode. Um, 
you know, it's going to be from another organization and maybe someone who has uh, different uh, viewpoints on uh, on certain topics. Uh, but again, we're going to find that common ground that we have. And this was a, a wonderful example, uh, Mike, being with the, the Georgia Baptist Mission Board and their their mission statement. And then um, I am with the Global Relief Association for Crises and Emergencies. Our mission statement, there's not a whole lot of similarity there. I'm with Grace, and our mission is that Grace exists to foster social change through strengthening families and eradicating the vulnerabilities of human trafficking and exploitation. Grace serves to support and empower families to rise above poverty, illiteracy, and trauma of natural disasters. Um, And then you have the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. their mission statement is the Georgia Baptist Mission Board is a living partnership of churches growing in grace, strengthening one another in faith and working together in obedience to the great commandment and to the great commission of Jesus Christ. Not a whole lot of uh, crossover there in our mission statements, but when you get down to what we're doing and uh, what we are impacting through our works, you, you see why this podcast is going to bring together some different people. So, um, Strap in and I say this is going to be a really fun episode to episode. And I hope uh, really we we can uh, get out of our echo chamber and um, and listen to those who who we may not uh, normally sit next to for lunch or uh, or would even consider a friend. Uh, But going forward, I think we'll make a lot of friends who are outside of our comfort zone and outside of our echo chambers. And that is a good thing. Um, So, again, thank you. And I look forward to. to episode two and y'all be safe.